Welcome to the Life Tree Community Church Podcast. These are recorded during our weekly services in Robbinsville, New Jersey. Our prayer is that these messages help you grow in your personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, we're finishing up our series on the Creed. We've been doing a series uh, for the last several weeks looking at the Apostles' Creed. Now, again, this creed was generated out of a need for clarity about what we believe because there are people who were really unsure about what they believed. Um, there were so many things going on, so many voices, and so a few really smart people got together and said, let's just put this in simple writing. So they said, these are the things that we believe. These are the core, core beliefs so that everybody would kind of know this is what's, you know, our frame of reference. Um, and uh, so today is the last one, the last part of that. We're going to finish that up today. Um, and uh, so far, just to kind of summarize, we said we believe in God, our father, right, who makes us all family. Right? That's what we said. God, our father, who makes us all family. We believe in Christ, the son, who is the greatest expression of love in human history. We believe in the Holy Spirit, who is practically better for us than Jesus himself in terms of presence, because Jesus could be was limited by, by time and space to be with only a few people. But the Holy Spirit is with all of us everywhere at all times. We believe in the holy, sacred, unified, unstoppable, historically growing, present changing, eternity altering group of people called the church, which is us. We believe in the church, believe in the power of the church. We believe in communion because it reminds us of the whole story of what God has done for us, of who we were, who we are and who we will be. We said we believed last week we heard a wonderful message from Dr. McNaughton that but forgiveness there's no better news that anyone will ever hear than that they can be forgiven. Not only that, but we actually get the privilege of extending forgiveness to, to others. And uh, so today, we, we're finishing up, and it, it, the, the creed resolves with this, and we believe in the resurrection of the body and in life everlasting. And that's kind of how it ends. That we believe in the resurrection of the body and in life everlasting and the million dollar question is this do you really believe in resurrection do you really believe in in that that's that's the question i mean is it is it something we believe in or is it just like a a fable or a you know a religious sort of idea or a concept um uh, because it's kind of can we be honest it's kind of out there it's a little bit out there, right? Like resurrection, this idea of coming back to life. Like I remember my uncle, I won't say where he worked in case this might get him in trouble, but he worked in a, uh, at a laboratory and they had cryogenics and so there was liquid nitrogen and he would show me some cool things. And I remember him telling me once that they put, um, I believe they found a mouse, they put a mouse in the nitrogen, froze instantly, and they just let it thaw and eventually came back to life. And I'm like, man, we're all shaking our heads. Like, it's pretty crazy, right? Cryogenics, like, that's what it is. It's, it's instant freezing, but preserving the... And, and it came back to life. And we're like, man, that's pretty nuts. And now we're talking about all of us dying and being resurrected. And we're like, you know, do you really believe that? Because it's, kind of, it's kind of out there. So I want to just clarify first what we mean by resurrection and by life everlasting, right? So resurrection, it means this. It means that after someone has died, they will literally come back to life. Literally come back to life. If any of you are Parks and Rec fan, literally come back to life. Um, nobody is. Nobody. Nobody. Nobody said anything. Okay. 
They canceled the show for a reason, I guess. Um, it means that a physical body that has no longer able to sustain life will regain vitality and consciousness, and that after this life ends, that simultaneously a new life will begin somewhere else, a new life that will have no end. It's also understood to mean that when we revive, we'll no longer, that second life will no longer be within this time and space dimension, right? But we'll find ourselves somewhere beyond in a utopian setting known as heaven, what Jesus called paradise. So basically, we're saying we believe that you're going to die and that the minute you die, that moment that you're going to be regenerated in a new life somehow, some way, somewhere else that none of us have ever seen or known about, we've only heard about because it said so. And so there's this idea that you're going to die, something that it's pretty pretty far-fetched, right? So essentially, um, resurrection is medically impossible, right? It is logically unexplainable. It's scientifically unprovable and intellectually irrational. And here we are saying we believe in it. Yes, we believe in something that I cannot prove in any way at all, has never, right? We just, I mean, is it, is it common? Do you guys see resurrection a lot, any of you? I mean, I know there are medically documented cases of things happening, but has any of you ever personally experienced it? Because there are times where somebody in the room is, you know, will say, you know, well, yes, I personally, you know, I coded on the table and it was like 15 minutes, but then they brought me back. Like, it's possible for like those kind of things. They go medically. I don't know how to explain it, but we're talking like everybody. But not just back to this life, but back to a better life. Now, I'm sure... As some of you here today, as I'm talking, are sitting there going, I don't know about this. You know, I'm not sure I can accept that. You know, listen, I'm okay with the whole God thing, but this kind of is a little bit like much. Come on, resurrection, like. And here's the deal. I am certain and positive that through my words today, there's nothing I can say to convince you. <laughs> there's absolutely nothing I'm going to say that's going to change anybody's mind about any of this. But here's the simple truth for me. It's really not about resurrection. You don't have to believe in resurrection. What really comes down to is Jesus. It comes down to this. And here's why. Because if Jesus is who he said he is, if he really is the son of God, then resurrection isn't hard to believe. The hard part to believe is that Jesus is the son of God. Right? Like that's the piece. Right? If 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 we're not sure Jesus is the Son of God, well, then all the rest of it's questionable, too. But if we believe that Jesus is the Son of God, right, that he's God incarnate, God made man, if that part is true, then resurrection is like peanuts, right? We're talking about God coming here, taking on the form of a man, right? Yeah, okay, then you can probably bring people back to life. I mean, if the God who made us did that, yeah, he, if he's real, um, then that's probably not too much for him. It's no harder to believe than the fact that your sins are forgiven or that healing is possible or that... Uh, there are miracles or that he transforms lives like there's, there's the hard part to believe is Jesus. The rest of it just follows. Like if you can go with Jesus, the rest of it works. If you're not sure about Jesus, well, then the rest of it's up for debate. And that's just just to clarify. That's the question here. So there's nothing I can do to really convince you about Jesus. Obviously, that's going to be a gap right between what you can prove and what you can have to trust in and there's a gap there you're going to have to take they call it a leap of faith the step faith demands uncertainty right and so you have to do business with who you think Jesus is 
So today when I talk about resurrection, there's nothing that I can do to convince you that Jesus is who he really said he is. But if Jesus is who he said he is, just if, conditionally speaking, then resurrection is clearly part of the package and it was a big deal to Jesus. He talked about it a lot. Um, and since he did, it's worth at least an examination, right, on our part. Like, that's, that's it. Because John actually records what Jesus said to Martha, who is the sister of a guy named Lazarus. Lazarus was one of Jesus' really good friends, and he died. Lazarus died, right? And Jesus is there about four days later, and he's talking to Martha, his sister. And Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? Okay, so let's think about this. Before he was ever crucified and resurrectioned, right, resurrected, right, before that ever happened, Jesus says, I am resurrection. Right? Not only, right, before he was a client, he said, I'm the club president. Right? That's, that's what he's saying here. He said, I'm not just a participant, but I'm the producer of resurrection. That meant he had the power to resurrect anybody. He's going on record and saying, listen, I got this. Do you believe that? Because he's, he's said this before, and if you know the story... He actually ends up saying, and I think we heard a few weeks ago from Jen uh, Doherty, who was here, the, the people are playing the church in Atlantic City. She said, you know, the story, he calls forth Lazarus. Lazarus, wake up. He says, Lazarus, I love it. She said he came out penguin style because he was still all wrapped up. It was great. And uh, it took me a minute to understand what she meant by that. And I was like, dude, that's brilliant. That's perfect. Penguin style. So he comes out, but, and he does it. But Jesus asked her this question before doing that. Before the resurrection happens, the question is, do you believe it? Do you believe it? So Jesus isn't just saying, you know, resurrection is something you should think about. He says, no, no, if you believe in me, well, then guess what? I am resurrection. I ha I, I'm the one who authorizes resurrection for all of you. It's not something I will just participate in. It's something I am. And the question Jesus asked her is the same question we need to answer. It's simply, do you believe that? And I can't answer that for you. Like, I can answer it for me, but not for you. But what I can do is we can look at what it would mean if you chose to believe that. Right? What are the implications if you believe resurrection is true? Right? We're just going to do a hypothetical today. If resurrection is real, what are the implications for you? What difference does it make in your life if you choose to believe this? And then conversely, what, what are the implications if you choose to say, you know what? No. I can't believe that. But that's, the, that's what we really have to wrestle with this morning. So the best place to start, I think, is 1 Corinthians 15. Hopefully you're there. It'll be on the screen if you just want to read along. And now this is the Apostle Paul talking to people wrestling with this very question. There are people in the church saying, I don't buy that. I'm not sure how I feel about resurrection. And Paul is writing this letter to a church in Corinth who is filled with people that are going, you know what, the Jesus thing I'm good with, but the resurrection, ah. I don't know. Same exact situation. In verse 16, we pick up and it says this. He says, if there is no resurrection of the dead, well, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless 
and you are still guilty of your sins. In that case, all who have denied believing in Christ are lost. And he continues, and if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. He's not gentle here at all in any way. Paul, Paul, again, I love Paul. He was Jersey. He was just cut to it. Basically, if resurrection isn't real, you're wasting your time. Everything in our faith hinges on the reality that Jesus rose from the dead. Resurrection, Jesus, together. You can't separate the two. If you're good for Jesus, you've got to be in for resurrection. Because if you're not in, if Jesus wasn't resurrected, then neither will you be. Right? If he didn't, we won't. There's no space for faith in Jesus to be separated from belief in resurrection. There's just no room for that. You can't have one without the other. And here's the thing. If you don't believe in resurrection, right? Let's say resurrection, you're like, no, I don't believe in resurrection. Well, then here's the reality. You're still carrying all your sin. You're saying, no, I got it. I good. I'm good. Sin. I got my own sin. I don't believe in resurrection, so I'm going to still carry my own sin. Right. That means there is no heaven. You're wasting your life believing anything. You're wasting your time even being here. You should probably just get up and walk out. No, don't do that. All right, let me finish. Um, the reality is resurrection changes things. If you believe in it, it's everything. It, but it's, it cannot be separated from Jesus. Do you understand? It's, he says, I am it. Paul says, you can't have one without the other. And then Paul addresses them, the natural questions. Okay, but if we're really going to wrestle with resurrection like really this concept that we're all going to be resurrected like just say i'm going to be resurrected go ahead say i'm going to be resurrected doesn't that sound weird come on i'm going to be resurrected how many of you are like that's just weird it just feels weird right someone is so verse 35 we'll skip down a little bit paul has this hypothetical but someone may ask how will the dead be raised Okay, let's get really practical. What kind of bodies are they going to have? You're telling me this is real. Let's really talk practically. How? I mean, how? If some of you are scientific and logical and you like explanations and you're going, okay, body decomposes, you know, man, I mean, I know what's going to happen. I mean, so do I come back with this same body? We just watched Coco for the first time last night. You know, it's interesting. They're kind of like, it's this... Animated movie about, you know, the Mexican Day of the Dead, El Dia de la Muerte, right? And it's great. And, and they cross over to the, the, the realm of the dead. And, you know, there's these people with skeletons. And it was interesting because the people's skeletons in the land of the dead were emblematic of the age they were when they died. I thought that was really interesting because there's this guy who's there and he's like kind of one of the main characters and he's kind of younger he's like a young man because he died when he was like maybe like mid-20s and his wife is there but she's like an old lady because she died when she was older and then their daughter comes over and she's like a 90 year old woman so it's this young guy with an older woman and this really old lady who's his daughter because they're there in bones that represent the age they were when they died like i remember when my grandfather died um, my son, uh, Ethan, I think he, he doesn't know if he remembers saying this. Where is Ethan? I don't know where he went. He might be in here. His kids, how, oh, his kids, all right, he's helping. So he said, 
Dad, he was like maybe like six at the time. He says, does this mean that pop-up is going to be a little kid again? I was like, oh, you know, it's an interesting thought. Like, do we go back? Like, you know, he died as an old man, but does that mean now that he's in heaven like a little kid? That's always a beautiful image. It's like, ah, oh, maybe, buddy. That's pretty cool. I don't know. We'll see. You know, and the question really comes down to what kind of bodies? If, if resurrection is real, what's that look like? I mean, seriously. Is, I mean, like we've talked about it. You know, this is close to perfection, right? I could use another foot and a half, but I mean, hey, like we're, we're close. Seriously, how? What does that look like? So Paul actually kind of gives us some insight here. It's interesting. So pick it up in verse 42. He says, our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die, but they are raised to live forever. Our bodies are buried in brokenness, but raised in glory. How many of you like that? Right? Because how many of you feel like your body is broken? That brokenness is buried, but you are raised in glory. They are buried in weakness. How many feel weak? But raised in strength. I mean, listen, I'm, I'm starting to get excited, right? They are buried as natural human bodies, but they will be raised as spiritual bodies. For just as there are natural bodies, which is what we got, these are natural bodies. There are spiritual bodies. Okay, these are real things. The scriptures tell us the first man, Adam, became a living person. But the last Adam, this is called a type, that is Christ, is a life-giving spirit. What comes first is the natural body, and the spiritual body comes later. Adam, the first man, was made from the dust of the earth, while Christ, the second man, came from heaven. You know what I read? I, made, I read he was made of heavenly stuff. Right? The first guy, he was made of dust, but Christ was made of heavenly stuff. Earthly people, us, are like the earthly man, but Heavenly people are like the heavenly man, just as we are now like the earthly man. We will someday be like the heavenly man. Someday you are going to have a heavenly body. You're going to be made of heavenly stuff. Listen, I cannot wait to be made of heavenly stuff. Right. Every single day I wake up. We've talked about every day you wake up with like a new pain somewhere just from sleeping. Right. Like I. Shoulder, come on, seriously, like shoulder, neck, you know, back, lower back, like, I'm not that old, right? I just went for a jog, like ankle, really? Just jog, I went on the lake, it's the lake, like, I didn't turn it, just, just hurts from walking, like, just from using it. Buried in brokenness, raised in glory, buried in weakness, raised in strength, buried as dirt, raised as heavenly stuff, I cannot wait. For my heavenly body, he continues in verse 50. What I'm saying, dear brothers and sisters, is that our physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. These dying bodies cannot inherit what will last forever. This is a shell, right? This is a, a wineskin, right? That's in the scriptures talk about wineskins. You put new wine in new wineskins because you can't put new wine in old wineskins because they'll explode. Well, guess what? You can't put eternity in this because it just can't contain it. Can't have it. But let me tell you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. And it will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we 
who are living will also be transformed for our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled from the Old Testament years and years and years prior. This was prophesied. How you like me now. That's what it says. No. Okay. No, it says this. It says death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death. And the law gives sin its power. But thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Here's the reality of resurrection. Okay, this is it. It's the takeaway for the morning. Resurrection frees you. F-R-E-E-S. Doesn't freeze you. It frees you. It's really hard to enunciate the difference. There is nothing in this world that can stop us from winning. Resurrection is our belief that the best is yet to come and that it will come. But because we believe that, we have no fear here. There's nothing to fear here. Resurrection means I have put fear to death and I have risen on the other side of it. Because you are going to live even after your body dies, you are free. Listen, I don't know if there's any greater fear. Like, how many of you have ever said in your life, what's the worst that can happen? What's the worst that can happen, right? You do some crazy stuff. Eh, what's the worst that can happen? You could die. You could die. That's usually your parents' answer. You could die, right? I got a motorcycle. What's the worst that could happen? You could die. Yeah, it's hard to argue with one. That's sort of like the trump card, right? Like that's like that's like the overarching fear that controls so much of our life. You could die. Well, guess what? Death just lost its power. So if the thing that caused the most fear in me is now eliminated, boy, it changes things. I'm now free to celebrate every ache and pain. You're like, seriously? Yes. No, I am free. Every time I get an ache or a pain, guess what? We're free because each one is a reminder. A new body's coming. Every time, every day that I get a little more, all oh, right, bent over, oh, that hurts. Every time I'm, you know, I got the stool here. It's not, that's not for like aesthetics. Right? It's because it, it, I get tired of standing, right? Like it starts to hurt my back after a while, right? Every time, it's just a reminder. I'm free to celebrate the pain in my life because I know a new body's coming. It changes the way I approach pain, right? Because I know that I'm going to be resurrected, I am free to experience the dying process of this life with excitement. It's weird. It flips things, but let me tell you, it's coming. Heavenly stuff is coming. Each day spent in this dying shell of a body is another day closer to a heavenly body. Resurrection frees me. Right? It releases me from the fear of getting old. It's going to happen anyway. You cannot avoid it. People try. They spend lots of money trying to avoid getting old. Right? The appearance. Right? We know plastic surgery, billion dollars in industry. Right? You are free to celebrate every ache and pain because a new body is coming. Not only that, you are free to live a life of faith in the middle of a world that doubts. 
You are free to believe in healing, to believe in miracles, to believe in the supernatural, to believe in the impossible. You are, you are free to live a life that counts on God doing the impossible. Because guess what? He, if he can do the impossible, I'm free now to believe that because he's doing it. Resurrection itself is impossible. Everything's impossible. So guess what? I live life with an irrational sense of faith that God can do some things that are just not possible. Because I believe in a God who's going to resurrect me. Erwin McManus, one of our groups, is studying one of his books, and he says this, I've got so much confidence in the reality of Jesus that I feel no pressure to try to make people act or be a certain way. And I love this. He says, I'm banking everything on the fact that God actually changes people. God can do anything. I got somebody who's... Right. Business is people. Right. We're in church. It's a, it's a people business. And there's sometimes people are difficult. But I believe in a God who can change anybody. And I'm free to believe that they can change and believe the best in people because I got a God who can do anything. There's nobody too hard. Every relationship. There's not a single relationship that's beyond hope. I'm free to live with faith. In the middle of a world that doubts. I'm free to live a life of generosity in a a world that clutches everything. Because we know our retirement plan is out of this world. See what I did there? Because we know that this stuff that we have, listen, I don't know how nice your car is, but it's nothing compared to the heavenly vehicles. Like, I don't know what they're going to be. Maybe chariots with flames and stuff. I don't know. But we're going to be heirs. We are heirs of the one who owns it all. And I can give with joy because I know there's always enough. It frees me that I'm going here. It frees me to live a life of generosity because my flesh is going to fail. Your flesh is going to fail. But our 401k has streets lined with gold. We're good. It frees us to be generous. You are free to live a life of adventure in the middle of a world that worships security. Security is a major industry in our world. Let me just tell you, there is no such thing as risk. If God be for me, who can be against me? David and Goliath, we talk about the risk David had going against Goliath. Malcolm Gladwell wrote a great book about this. Goliath never had a chance. Goliath brought a knife to a gunfight. Goliath is like coming at David with like a sword and David's like 50 yards away with like a laser. Bam! Goliath never had a chance. That's the way we are in life. We are free to live a life of boldness and adventure because there is nothing and nowhere that God will not be with me and empowering me. If God says it, I don't have to worry about how. I just get to go. I get to live a life of adventure. See, resurrection, knowing how this ends, frees me to enjoy today. I can live a life of adventure. And I can do because there is no risk. If God said it, I just go. I, get, I know how it's going to end. I win. We win. We know how this story goes. So we're free to enjoy the adventure along the way. We're free to live a life of honesty in the middle of a world that hides who they really are. You are free to be you. Because the truth is, he's the judge. He knows the truth anyway. It's coming out anyway. So what's the sense in hiding? The reality is what others think of you has no bearing whatsoever on your destiny. You are not going to get to Judgment Day and God's going to say, okay, everybody weigh in. What did you think of this individual? Like, we're going to vote. 
and take a vote. Need a majority. There's no hanging chads, right? We need a majority here. No, there's only one. And so since there's only one, it frees me to be myself because it doesn't matter what people think of me. That will have no bearing whatsoever on my eternal destiny. We won't answer to a single another human being. Thomas Paine said reputation is what men and women think of us. Character is what God and the angels know of us. I love how Abraham Lincoln said it just a little different. Character is like a tree and reputation is like a shadow. The shadow is what we think of it, but the tree is the real thing. Of course, I threw the tree in there. I had to do that, you know. We are free to live a life of honesty because of I know where I'm going. We're free to live a life of meaning in a world confused if there is any. Because we know that the purpose of life is preparation for eternity. And we're free to wake up each day and we know why. It frees me. Knowing where I'm going frees me to understand today. I'm free to walk through seasons that seem like nothing is going on. You ever have those seasons of life you're just going through? Maybe you're in one now. You're going, man, I just feel like I'm spinning my wheels. This is doing, this is useless. This is painful. This is just dry. It's empty. It's barren. Where is God? What is the purpose in this? But because I know where I'm going and I know that the God I serve has purpose, it frees me to say, you know what? Even in this season, there's something going on. I'm free to enjoy this one, knowing that God will not waste a season And because of that resurrection, every day that I wake up here in whatever season I'm in is a reminder that one day I'm going to wake up for good. I will not wake up again. There's going to be a day that I wake up and I stay woke. Oh, come on, kids. We're free to live a life of joy in the middle of a world starving for it. You can take pleasure in this life. Right? Because your expectations are realistic. Because this world is never meant to satisfy, to fulfill. So I can just enjoy this life for what it is. And I can know true joy because I'm not expecting this world to be something that it can't. Right? If you're expecting your joy, your source to be somebody or something, it will fail you every time. They will, people will let you down. Stuff will let you down. You can't have enough money to be happy. Right? You know this. Right, You can't have enough stuff, enough security, enough influence, enough prestige. You can chase those things all day long. Our happiness is so fleeting. Resurrection gives us joy that no pain, no suffering, nothing can take away. I've got joy because I know what's coming. Yes, this world is a mess, but I refuse to let it rob me of my joy. And the world is a mess. The reality is resurrection frees us to live a life of love in the middle of a world that hates. And there's a lot of hate, right? Hate is the fruit of fear. People who hate are consumed by fear. What they need the most is what they understand the least. I love this quote from Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. And hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. See, the reality is because of the resurrection, because I know where I'm going, because I understand a divine perspective on my world, because I see it differently now, because I understand the grand narrative, the story, what happens is that I'm free to be kind to people who are awful to me. 
because I know that love is the only road home. Listen, our Jewish brothers and sisters in Pittsburgh need our prayers. They need love. Can we just pray for them today? I just want to take a few minutes pause right now. Let's just pray for that church right now. And, I mean, they got tree in their name, too. I'm reading it going, man. You know? world is not okay. Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, right now, Lord, you know the people that are hurting today because of this act of violence. Lord, I pray for your mercy, for your comfort. Lord, would you give them peace? And would your love be tangible in the midst of this display of sin and brokenness? Lord, I pray for our country, for our world. Lord, because of what we know about life, Lord, let us be people of love. Let release us, free us to be people who love in a world that is desperate for it. There is far too much hate. Hate is often just rooted in fear. But perfect love casts out fear. So we ask that we would be people of love today. Let there be people that surround those synagogue members with your love. Let love just rise up. Bring healing. In your name we pray. Amen. See, we're free also because of the resurrection. We're free to experience the death of our loved ones differently with hope. Because we know that this life is not the end. Let me tell you, we've talked about this. A glorious reunion is coming. There is going to be a day where you get to see the heavenly body of everybody that you love. What a day that will be. When my Jesus I will see and I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace when he takes me by the hand and leads me to and through the promised land. What a day, a glorious day that will be. Because we know how this chapter ends, we're free to enjoy the journey of life. We're free to live a life of peace in the middle of a world that's terrified. Our world is filled with death. And it scares people and it's awful. Death is one of those things that's so complicated, so unknown, and it scares us. And what people think is that resurrection is some coping mechanism that helps us avoid the harsh reality of the brokenness around us and loss. The truth is that resurrection is a reminder that we will not allow the brokenness to stop us from fighting for what is good. It's not just a coping mechanism. I know people think that, but it's not. It's Jesus said this is the solution to the brokenness of the world. Remember, you will be resurrected one day. And when you understand that, it changes how you live. That's the implications. If you say, I believe in resurrection, it changes everything about how you approach the world. But here's the reality the, the Converse, if you don't believe in resurrection, and it's okay, you get to choose. But if you don't, all of that goes away. You're carrying your own sin. There's no hope. And 
you're more to be pitied than anybody in the world because there is no hope. We're in the middle of a world that's broken and hate-filled, and that's it. End of story. Remember the guys from Teen Challenge who will be here next week. Don't want to miss Teen Challenge. But their, their director said this. He said, the, the enemy is in the business of telling stories. He tells the same story over and over again. It goes like this. Death. 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 He said, and it's a terrible story, and he's seen it through his work with addicts over and over and over again. Death. 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 He says, but do not forget that our God is in the storytelling business as well. And he tells the same story over and over and over again. The only difference is his story goes like this. Death and resurrection. Death and resurrection. See, that changes everything. You want to eliminate resurrection, the story always ends in death. But when you bring resurrection, it changes every single thing. The worst that can happen to me and those I love is death. And Jesus has declared that death has lost its power, then we are free to live in peace. And if resurrection is real, we're free to live each day with gusto, no matter what happens. Paul's words, he concludes that portion of 1 Corinthians 15 as I, as I close with this. And uh, Claire, you can come on up wherever you are and play. We're going we're gonna to wrap this up. But he, he, he closes with this. He says, always... At all times, in everything, be strong and immovable. Be planted, refuse to be moved. Because of your future, be strong in your present. The reality of our hope, hope should plant us confidently in who and where we are. When hate rears its ugly head, when fear starts to roar, when brokenness exposes itself, be strong and immovable. No matter what ugliness shows up in your world, be strong and immovable always. And work enthusiastically. Do what you do with vigor, with enthusiasm. Nothing great was ever achieved without enthusiasm. That's Ralph Waldo Emerson. Nothing great was ever achieved without enthusiasm. Don't let fear stop you from passionately doing good. It was the irrepressible Henry Ford who said, enthusiasm is the yeast that makes your hope shine to the stars. It's the sparkle in your eyes, the swing in your gait, the grip of your hand, the irresistible surge of will and energy to execute your ideas. And again, another Martin Luther King Jr. quote, one of my favorite quotes ever. If it falls your lot in life to be a street sweeper, someone who brooms and sweeps streets, he says, sweep streets like Michelangelo painted pictures. Sweep streets like Beethoven composed music. Sweep streets so well that all the hosts of heaven and earth will have to pause and say, here lived a great street sweeper who did his job well. I know what the headlines are screaming. The world is full of hate. And it's part of the, it's part of the story. But let's not forget that it's not the whole story. It's not just death. There's resurrection on the other side. 
So we are free to live our life with enthusiasm. Because what happens is the constant story of death, it just beats us down and beats us down until we sit there and go, why try anymore? Such a waste. Stand strong. Be immovable. Always. And work enthusiastically. And here's the reason why. Because nothing you do is useless. Not a single thing. There is nothing you do that is useless. Every single decision matters. Even if nobody sees it, it counts. Hear this, please, because this is probably the most practical part of this message. Every act of kindness and grace and love matters. Every time you sacrifice something personally, it matters. Every time you choose to give sacrificially, it matters. Every time you fight to think positively, it matters. Every time you resist the urge to get even, every time you go above and beyond, every time you discipline yourself to do what is right, every time you love the unlovable, every time you forgive, every time you show mercy, every time you're generous, guess what? It all counts. It all matters. Some way, somehow, every single thing you do, as a result of your faith in God, it will bear fruit. Somehow, some way. Every time you do something, there are ripples and waves and echoes throughout eternity. Because you did what was right and good. Nothing you do is useless. We've said it. What good is it? Who cares? Nobody, nobody notices. It doesn't matter. It won't make a difference. We've said those things. You know it. You say it. I say it all the time. It's just, ah, it's not going to make that much difference. Nobody even cares what I'm doing. Those are lies. Those are lies from an enemy who just wants to continue to tell the story of death. But our God says resurrection. And our God says everything you do counts. Everything makes a difference. See, when we live that life, a life where we recognize the value of everything we're doing here, and that we're going somewhere great, guess what? That's the fullest life you can live. That's a life that makes the most of today with an eye on tomorrow. You were designed to live life free. Fear wants to cripple. But resurrection reminds us that death and fear have been put to death. And now hope lives in us. So be strong and immovable. Our world needs, a, needs us to stand up and fight for all that is holy and good. So I don't know. The question comes back around. Do you believe in it? Do you believe in resurrection? It's up to you. I cannot make that decision for you. I hope I've made a compelling case for the implications if you do. And if you walked in here wondering if your life really matters today, if you walked in here maybe saying, it really, I'm just not making much of a difference, please hear this loud and clear. The universe, the creator of all things, wants you to know that every single thing you do echoes in eternity. And that you can continue to stand up and fight for what is good. Don't grow weary of doing good. 
Just take joy in knowing that the best is yet to come. Seriously. Heavenly bodies. I just really can't wait. My shoulders like kill me. Can't wait. Let's just take a moment and pray. Heavenly Father. Lord, I pray this morning that you would just grant us perspective that is grander than we can see on our own. Lord, would you open our eyes to see that resurrection is not just a fable, a story, a nice token idea in some religion, but it's who you are. It's the story of Christ. That you didn't come to make bad people good. But you came to make dead people live. That's who you are. And that's the story you desire to tell in each one of our lives. As we're praying this morning, if you're here today and say, I've never before heard it quite like that. And something inside you is just resonating and saying, I want that life in me. I want the story of resurrection told in my life. If that's you, would you just raise your hand so I can just pray for you this morning? Just say, that's me. Heavenly Father, you see our hands. Lord, you see our hearts. Lord, we invite you to continue to tell and write that story in us. Lord, the same power that resurrected Christ from the dead lives inside of us. You are, Lord, our resurrection and our life. You're our hope. Strengthen us as we now enter into relationship with you to walk daily with you, to be strong and immovable. Lord, we can't do that on our own. It's not our own will. It's not us just trying harder. But through your Holy Spirit, we shall not be moved. We can live through this life in a very different approach because we know the best is yet to come. I thank you. We praise you. You are good. In your name we pray. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were encouraged by this message. For more information about Life Tree, please check us out online at lifetreecc.com.